Well, good morning. I, um, if you want to take your mask off this morning, we'll just trade places and you can come preach if you'd like to do that. I don't know. Would that work? Anybody want to make the trade? See, how much do people really dislike wearing them? You got one? <laughs> got one offered to you. Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to be together this morning. Uh, if we haven't met, my name's Dean. I'm part of the team here, and it's just uh, great, great to be together here, but great to be together as well uh, online, and I uh, also want to say a special good morning to everybody up in Marowa. Can we give a big clap and a cheer for everybody up in Marowa right here, and for everybody watching online as well. If you're up in Marowa, give us a big clap and a cheer. Let's see if we can hear you through the masks. I want to see that. You know, it's going to be a little tricky today because I can't, you know, seeing expressions may be tough. So I want to tell you something right now. Everybody uh, that I can see right in front of me, and I think even through the camera, I can see some of you in with the mask on. You all look angry. So <laughs> I'm not just kidding. I'm just joking. I see the smiles. I know they're there. And, uh, and it's great, great to be able to get together. And, you know, it is uh, such an interesting dynamic uh, that we are all kind of just living with at the moment uh, in terms of just the incredible uncertainty and change. Uh, you may have plans you've made for today that you don't know uh, if they're going to go ahead. Uh, this last now really year and a half, we always are living with this elevated sense of kind of, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, and, and one of the things about that is this is reality. We know life is actually always like that. Life always carries change. It always carries uncertainty. Sometimes we just get to live with the illusion that it doesn't for longer periods of time than others. Um, but right now we're all experiencing it, but what, this is what we know. Life will always uh, be full of different uh, challenges, choices to be made, questions how to navigate. And, and that is why one of the reasons we're looking at this series as a church right now called Live by Love. Because we believe that Jesus has given us, in the midst of a world that can be uh, sometimes feel a little unsteady under our feet, in the midst of a world where there can be a lot of change and challenge and questions of how we can navigate things, we will always do well if we orientate our lives by this reality. What Jesus said is the, the most important commands, the most important kind of truth that we can orientate by to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and to love our neighbors, to love others as we love ourselves. That no matter the situation, this is uh, the, the question we can always ask if we're wondering, how should I respond to this? How should I relate to this? How should I process this? Or what should I do in this situation? It always go well if we ask the question, how in this situation can I love God with my whole heart? And or how in this situation can I love another as myself? And that can steer us through even uh, dark, foggy, uh, uncertain you know, stretches of, of life or wherever our path might take us. And so this series is about, though, we have to also, in order, if we're going to do this well, uh, if you are here last week, we looked at 1 John and the book of 1 John, this letter, it reminds us that love, because we all have to ask the question, this important question, so if we're going to live by love, uh, the, the great philosopher Hathaway said it first, uh, what is love? Um, and I don't know if anyone knows Hathaway, but there's a couple of you out there. You're probably watching online, and, and if I see you, anyway. But anyway, uh, Hathaway, you can look up later. And, um, but it's not a philosopher, okay? It's a, like a 
I don't know, techno band from the 90s? What would you call Hadaway? Phil, would you say techno? Is that, am I describing Hadaway well? Anyway, uh, great song. What is love? But the answer to that question, how, how can we live by love if we don't put a little, a little flesh on that skeleton? If we don't put a little, uh, there's got to be some meat on the bones. We live in a world that will always, yeah, love, and we can celebrate, you know, what, what is the love, and it can, we can feel good about certain things. But we believe what First John told us is that love comes from God. So if we're going to understand how to love, we have to understand how God loves us. And then it's out of that experience of his love for us that we actually become uh, free and able and to understand what does it look like to love him with our whole heart and to love others. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a, a story, a parable that Jesus tells that really puts uh, flesh on those bones, that really is here to give us this is what God's love for us looks like. This is how God loves us and therefore this is what it, it gives us direction, clarity. What would it look like for me to love God and to love others. And the story that we're going to look at is sometimes called the, the parable of the prodigal son. It's sometimes called the parable of the lost son. But it's a story that Jesus tells because he's kind of gotten to this place where people are gathering. They're listening to him teach. Crowds are growing. Uh, and, and they're coming. And, but the, the Pharisees and teachers of law, there's some crew that are really focused on what rules and commands he's obeying or not obeying. And they've got real questions about how he's loving other people. And they, they kind of have this problem of who he's associating himself with, who he is getting, sharing meals with, who he's uh, up close and personal with. And so they're kind of frustrated, like, look who, he's, look who he's hanging out with. And Jesus tells this story to give them a picture of actually here is God's love and here's why I love others the, the way I do. And so he tells them a couple of stories first, one about a lost sheep, one about a lost coin, and then this one about a lost son. So uh, Luke chapter 15, if you want to turn there, but I'll read it to you. All right. Fix this up. Tech problems. Do you recognize my face? No? No? Come on, I took my mask off. Okay. All right. Here we go. Luke chapter 15 says this. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, uh, I want to cash in my inheritance. Give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between, his, between them, his two sons. Now, one of the things I want to tell you at the beginning of the story, uh, we know the father in this story is representing, uh, you know, a God in this story. And sometimes, if you're familiar with the story, we might identify ourselves with one son or the other son. What I want to encourage you today is just see the reality, perhaps, that there's a little bit of both sons in all of us. And let's try and understand, therefore, how God relates to us. So the, the father, though, he, he divides up the property. And, and not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. So basically now he's got his inheritance. Maybe it was some land. Maybe he cashed it in, uh, that kind of thing. But he gets all his money. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. A lot of people don't realize it, but the younger son is actually the first uh, time that you hear the phrase millennial used. And so he, I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. I wasn't going to make a joke about a young person who just mooches off their parents and just part. Anyway, just kidding. Um, just joking. I just wanted to offend an entire generation in one moment. So thank you for being here. I, I love you. Just 
so funny in my mind. But anyway, I'm just joking, just joking. So young son goes off backpacking, and, uh, and, but he just is wild living, reckless living. He's just everywhere he goes. It's, you know what, my shout tonight. He's buying for everybody. He's spending on, you know, parties, food, you know, women, all these things. Just, you know, not investing it, just spending it. And so, of course, after he had spent everything, it's all gone. He just, just, just partied it away. There was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So now, you know, he comes to the end of it, and he, it says he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now, pause. you got to understand, because culturally this is very different for us. To Jesus, to his Jewish listeners, uh, to those he was talking to, the idea of feeding pigs is like, okay, like reckless living, wild living was one thing. Uh, working uh, for, for Gentile farmer and feeding pigs, this is something that is unclean in their culture. This is like, okay, now we're talking rock, rock bottom. And so to, to do this was just to say, well, he is like, this is bad as it can get. Uh, and so then, and not only is he doing this, it says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one Gave him anything. He's at this point where he just didn't take anything. So finally, as sometimes happens at rock bottom, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out. I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he's worked out his plan. He's got his speech ready and he starts going back. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. He got up, he went to his father, and then it tells us, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, this story, we have to understand Jesus wants to help. The, the people that he's talking to and teaching this to, they're, they're frustrated at the way he just seems to associate uh, with anyone and people that they would have called uh, unclean. Uh, you know, there, there was a, a saying in their tradition of someone who tended pigs, they, they actually, one of their sayings was that anyone who tends uh, pigs or works with pigs is cursed. Like they saw, so they, they have very tight regulations on what they think is good and bad and right and wrong. And they're going, here's his son who just totally destroys all of it and takes off. He's dishonored his father. He has just wasted it all. He's hit rock, rock bottom. And how now will that father respond? And the picture of love they would have had would have, was not this. Would have been, uh, there was a tradition that if something like this happened, that what might have happened uh, could have been that the son comes back and they had this tradition where, uh, I'll probably get a little bit wrong, but they would break a pot and it basically was like, you are now kind of dead to us and the community and all that because of what you violated. That may have been one of the ideas of what might happen, but instead what they find is the father, when the son's coming, while he was still a long way off, the father sees him and runs to him and throws his arms around him and hugs him and even kisses him. And Jesus is just, and this is one of those just Jesus like, I'm just going to pull out everything I can to just totally mess with people. <laughs> like, you know, he's like, yeah, and he was tending pigs, you know. And he even wanted to eat the pig's food. And the father comes all the way to throw arms around, hug, and kiss this young man. And we know that this story is here to help us understand this is God's heart. 
And I want to give you a phrase that I, I believe this picture starts to represent. This comes from a book I mentioned last week, The Jesus Creed. And, and in it, Scott McKnight, he talks about how love in the scriptures, we, we you know, you can, love, how do you wrap your mind exactly around what is love? But he talks about these markers of this is what love is. This is what it's like. And one of the phrases he uses is that love is rugged commitment. I want you to hear that phrase, rugged commitment. And now on, on the count of three, I want everybody to say it through your mask or Marywell online. On the count of three, rugged commitment. I want you to say those words. One, two, three. Rugged commitment. Love is not just, um, I'm feeling it today and we're good. Or here's the direction I want to go and I'm onto it and we're good. Love is rugged commitment. You know what I'm a little bit like as a driver? Um, you're like, whoa, do we even want to know what you're a little bit like as a driver? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm one of those people who always thinks they can get somewhere faster by changing lanes. You know, like going down Marmion, it's like, uh, you know, school traffic, cars everywhere. I'm like, no, if I just went there, I could get there a little bit faster. You know, I'm marking out cars going like, okay, you know, Red Yaris, I'm going to see if I can beat you. You're my marker. I'll see if I can get there faster. Like, I know I've read the research in the books, and there's no way you get there faster. But I'll just be driving along and think, good, I'm going good here, I'm going good here. And all of a sudden, my lane slows, and I'm like, you know what, it looks a little bit better over there. It looks a little bit better over there. I think I'll just go. And then, you know, as often happens, like, yeah, yeah, look at me go. And then, oh, you hit one red light, and I sit there. Going, don't come up here, Red Yaris. Don't come up here, Red Yaris. You know, and, nope, there they are. And now they know, and I know that it did not work. You know, but you know, the, here's the thing: we can end up in this experience of life where we are constantly, and this is the this is the current and the flow and the culture of our age, which is constantly look for that which is better, whatever lane we're in. Be it a relationship, be it a job, be it a school, be it what church I'm at, be it what lane am I in. We are constantly almost scanning going, is that one better? Would that be a little bit better? What if I made this change, just went there? And we can get in our minds just thinking that like, you know what? No, I'm feeling this. Like, oh, my heart's telling me. You know, I'm going to go follow my heart here. It's telling me it's going to be a little bit better over there. Can I tell you, to live by love starts with choosing to love with rugged commitment. See, the father in this story has a son. He has these two sons. And with the one who wants all his inheritance, the father loves him. Even though the son now uh, totally sells his dad out, squanders everything he's worked for, lives in ways totally contrary, you know, goes off and comes back. If, if his father's love was based on how he might have been feeling or how he was just kind of, you know, approaching the situation, he, he might have had one totally different response. But because the father's love towards the son was rugged commitment, no matter how long the son was gone, he was out there waiting. No matter how far off he was, he was running. He, it, you know, most of us, once the, when there's a rock bottom, like the way this son experienced, the, the temptation would just be to go, you know what, son, you know, you too far this time or all the way. But Jesus wants to understand God's love for us. It is rugged. Like he does not chop and change. He, is, he stays committed to you. You see, I believe some of us need to really uh, experience a greater depth of the reality that God is for you no matter what. He doesn't, 
It's so easy for us to live thinking God's like us and he's looking down going, you know what? Yeah, you were going good for a bit, but to be honest, like I don't really love the way you've turned here. I'm just gonna, I'm off to somebody else. No, God is just with us. No matter what we end up doing, he's for us. No matter how, you know, kind of far we feel like we've walked and we can go all the way to we feel like rock bottom. Is he still there? He's still there. He's still there waiting. He's still there wanting. He's still there uh, just waiting for us to do what this son did, which was come to his senses and just turn and go back towards him. God's commitment is so rugged towards us. You see, we have to understand God's rugged commitment to us because if we're to live a life of love, here's the thing. If God is, so we learn from God what love is, then we have to become people who are capable of rugged commitment. To live by love is to say, God, I will love you out of response to your rugged commitment. I'll be ruggedly committed to you. God, I won't live my life in such a way that's sort of like, yeah, I love God. I love God. Shiny new object, left turn, right turn. We're called to actually respond with it. Now, what we have to reconcile with, we will not love God perfectly. The goal of knowing God is not to become perfect. The goal of knowing God is to know God. And so it's not about going, oh boy, if we, you know, when we mess up, if, if we mess up. No, 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 it's when we mess up. But the point is to live by love is to learn to live with that rugged commitment. What if God's people were known as those people who don't chop and change all the time? Who are always looking for something that seems just a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit more what I'm feeling today. Love is rugged commitment. It stays the course. Even when, you know, I love one of the songs we sang earlier about is the God of the mountains, the God of the valley. And so if you're in the valley, don't, you know, don't lose sight of the fact he is still ruggedly for you. And when you're in the valley in a particular relationship or job or station in life at times, we're so used to thinking the way forward is to chop and change. But what if love is about much more of a rugged commitment to the places and spaces we are? You know, the thing I love as well, though, because sometimes we can also end up, love is rugged commitment. But sometimes we can, uh, if we're not careful, we start to think, well, love is is only so it's just rugged commitment. And God is, yep, he's for me no matter what. I'm sure he is. But what I love is we're going to see a second dimension to God's love here as well. Not only is it rugged commitment, it's also warm affection. Now, I want to hear you say that, okay, on the count of three, wherever you're at. We're going to say it together. Warm affection. One, two, three. Warm affection. Now, some of you felt awkward just saying warm affection. Blokes, I'm looking at you. We're not often uh, comfortable or always even think about this idea of God's love as warm affection. But check out what happens here. As we saw, the father, he comes, he throws his arms. He hugs him. He kisses him. He doesn't just say, good, I'm glad you're back. And then watch what happens next. It says, the son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. He's trying to get out of speech, but it's almost like the father just cuts him off and is like, yo, he says to his servants, just quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Play some Hathaway up in this joint for this son of mine was dead and is alive. I'm sorry, I just, the Hathaway thing is so hard for me to get past it. Anyway, he was lost and he's found. And so they began to celebrate. And meanwhile, the older son was in the field. 
So we're going to see a little bit of the older son and look at love from another dimension. And the older son was in the field and he came near the house and he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and was like, hey, what, what's going on? He said, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. Aren't you stoked? And the older brother became angry. And he refused to go in. So his father went out. This is the father's love. They went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Now, here's what... I think in, in this story, and if you're familiar with it, you know, we, we literally, you, you write books and volumes on this particular story. And every dimension, it helps us understand of who God is and how we relate to him. There's so much we could, could look at. But what I think is so important for us today is to marry this idea of love is rugged commitment, but it is also warm affection. And you see this in the Father's heart what, with, the, with the hugs, with the kisses, with the party, with the celebration. He is over the top, like you get this sense that he is just like, this is my son and I'm just so glad. He's not just like, wow, yep, he's my son, so I'm going to welcome him back because I'm ruggedly committed to him forever. That part's true, but it's also true that he just delights over his son. He wants to party for his son. He wants to celebrate this son. You see, God's love for us, some of us are okay with the fact that God loves us, but I know there's at least one person listening today that you're, you will come to know God's love so much better if you begin to accept the fact that God likes you. Doesn't just love you. Well, hey, I know God loves me. It's like my parents have to love me. God is love me, whatever. No, God likes you. He delights over you. He wants to throw parties over you. He wants to celebrate you. Some of us end up living like, and all of us at times, we can end up like the older brother. And we think knowing God is like, did I obey all the orders? You look at the older brother. He's like, I obeyed all the orders. I did it. I loved you. I obeyed all the orders. But his father's like, did you just miss this thing? You missed that actually you could have asked me at any time. You missed that I was, I didn't just, I wasn't just committed to you. I was just for you. If you'd asked me for a, a if you'd asked me for that goat, we'd have had the goat. If you'd asked me for the party, we'd have had the party. The older son just missed the fact that, that actually the father's heart towards him was warm and affectionate and full of a desire for celebration and parties and all that stuff. And if we miss the fact that God's heart towards us is not only rugged commitment, if we miss the fact that, no, God is warm towards us, he's loving towards us, he likes us, he delights in us, the more we miss that truth about God's love for us, the more susceptible we become to living more like the older brother. And we can look around and we can start to think that love is, is about, did they do everything? Did you, the, what the older brother says, that I obeyed all your orders. And we start to put love into this framework of just obeying all the orders. Did I do all the commands? Did I do the right thing? You go to church and you hear a message, okay, I'm supposed to love God with my heart and love my neighbor as myself. Did I get that all right? Did I do that all right? And then, and that's how I'll measure. Or, and so I'm like, God, I, I did it. Look, look, Father, I did it all. Why isn't it? Instead of just beginning to understand, wow. Actually, God just, loves me and likes me. I'm not always going to get it perfect, but his heart towards me is just, 
he, he looks and is like, you're my one of a kind. Only one. That's God's heart towards us. And, and imagine how this, if we understand that, if we start to go through life with an identity, uh, you know, I just imagine the younger brother, what he was like the rest of his life. After everything that happened, and then he comes home to that, can you imagine how much he must have just felt like, uh, no matter what I do, he's still going to love me. <laughs> he must have gone through life the most kind of free, joyful, like he probably wanted to throw a party for everybody he met. When we have an experience of God's love, it, it, it would overflow into how we love others. And the older brother, his lack of experience of, God's, of his father's affection spilled over into how he related to his brother and how he put life into categories and scorekeeping, all those things. But imagine the more we come to know God's great love for us, he's with me no matter what. And not only that, he likes me and he sees my, he doesn't just look at the things I've done wrong. Okay, so just hear this one thing. The older brother, all he looked at was what his brother done wrong. How easy is it for us to look at people in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our sports club, wherever we are, and all we see is the stuff they do wrong. And what happens is we become a bit cold in our love, a bit inflexible. Whereas the father in the story, he doesn't even talk about what the son did. He just says, this is my son. He's back. Give him a ring. Give him a robe. Crank up the party. If we are to be people who live by love, we have to start by experiencing God's love towards us knowing his rugged commitment for us, but knowing the warmth of his affection for us as well. And, and we do that by realizing God is not always looking just at what you do wrong. He sees the best of who you are and who you're created to be, and he delights in that. And if we experience that, then we can become people who can now live by love, that we actually get to just love God instead of trying to just keep score with what, how we're doing with God. We just get to love him. And then out of that, we get to love others. And to love others is not to just see their faults, but to see what is best about them and who God created them to be. And that's what allows us to become kind of warm people. You know, it should never be said of a follower of Jesus, of a a lost son or daughter has come home that we were kind of a, you know, yeah, committed but a little cold. We are to be those who are ruggedly committed and warmly affectionate. When I was a kid, I grew up playing baseball. Now, I know that's not going to be true for a lot of people here, but I can't help it. I grew up in America, and nothing's changing that. In fact, when I meet strangers, it happened again this week, people always remind me that. Wow, you've really been here that long. You still sound like you're from America. Anyway. I grew up playing baseball, and so you may not be as familiar with it, but in baseball, you know, not as tough, and it's not like cricket. We're not prepared to play it barehanded, okay? So you get a glove. You get this glove that you put on your hand, and that's what you use to catch the ball. And when you're a kid, getting a new baseball glove is like the greatest thing. And, but here's the thing about a, a baseball glove. They're made out of level, leather, and they're usually, when you first get it, they're really stiff. They're really kind of hard to, to flex, and so when you first get it, the thing you got to do with it is you've got to really like bend it and break it in. And there's this certain oil that you get and you put it on it. It's called Nice Foot Oil. I don't know if that's a kind or a brand or whatever, but you get this oil, you put it on it, and it softens it and helps it start to flex a little bit more. 
And, and I was just thinking this morning about this, and here's what I think God may want to say to some of us today, like to, to live by love. One of the things is we, we can just remember this. It does require, like a glove, our love, it's got to be strong and rigid. And the reason those, those baseball gloves are so strong and rigid is because they got to be able to take a lot. You know, the ball comes flying off their heart sometimes. It gets coming at great velocity. It's got to be strong enough to deal with it. And love has to be strong enough to deal with hard times. Love has to be, you know, almost rigid and committed enough, that rugged commitment to see you through the valleys. And we have to know that that's how strong God's love is for us. You read the history of the scriptures, no matter what God's people do, he is with them and for them. But God's love is also meant to, when we experience his warm affection, what the warm affection does, and even if you're a little awkward with that kind of language, you need God's warm affection in your life to know that he also just likes you and he sees the best of you and, because that's what makes you soft. That's what keeps you from just being hard and stiff and rigid. And, and God's love, his affection is like that oil that should soften our hearts so that even those people who drive us crazy and we feel like there is no redeeming quality, we feel like the older brother, like how could you throw a party for this guy? Do you know what he's like? Do you know what he's done? Do you know? And we can go through life feeling that about other people. But it's only when we start to realize that God doesn't just see what we've done wrong. He just sees us for who we are. We experience the warmth of his love. And that frees us to, to look at other people, not in such a way that we only see their faults and flaws, but we actually just see them for who they are, created in the image of God. And we can say, you know what, even right now I'm struggling, God, to see what you like about them, but I know you really like them. <laughs> so let me be warm to them. Let me be loving to them. Wow. And it's amazing when you choose to start looking, not at people's faults, not at their flaws, not at what they've not done. It's amazing how you can begin to start to see whole other sides to who they are. There's no one you've ever met in your life, no matter how much they drive you crazy, that God does not look and just delight over them. I want to throw a robe and a, and a ring on their finger and throw them a huge party just because that's how much he loves them. See, imagine a, a world where this is what God's people are just known for. This is, what, this is how we live. It's just like, yeah, they're, they're people, they live by love. They make their decisions, not just based on what kind of feels good in this moment and what's looking good to the left or to the right, but they, they're committed to people, they're committed to places, they're committed to what, they're, you know, to what God's called them to in a rugged way. They're for people. And they're also warm. They see the best in everyone. Wherever they go, they're, like, they're a bit like the Father. Hugs and kisses, parties and joy. Not because people are perfect, but just because they, they're just warm towards people. This is love. Love doesn't get to be whatever we want it to be. Love is what we see that comes from God. It is rugged commitment. It is warm affection. It is what you and I need most in our lives. And it's what the world around us is hungering for. So let's be people who live by love. You know, I want to give you one small thing you can do this week. If you find yourself saying, right, I want to, because the hard thing is, just how do I, I know I want to live like this on Sunday and my week comes and it, it was all good until then I actually had to see that person who, Dean, you still don't know what they're like. And then, you know, how do we get in that space and really live this out? And one of the simple things I want to encourage you to do is just to, what if this week, every day, you began your day, and I encourage you for the next few weeks to just begin by praying this simple prayer. 
It's likely a prayer Jesus may have prayed regularly. Lord, today, would you help me to love you with my whole heart? And would you help me to love others as myself? You know, I love in, in McKnight's book, he just talks about how, you know, when we do this, it gives us a place to start to orientate our day. It gives us a place to kind of calibrate, to set, here's my true north today. God, I want to love you and I want to love others. And as soon as we pray that, we are brought into an experience as well of saying, and God, how have you loved me? You are ruggedly committed. Thank you, God. You are warm towards me. Thank you, God. Lord, would you help me to love you that way? Help me to love others that way. And if every day we begin like that, and maybe throughout the day when we kind of lose our way and feel like, do I go left here or do I go right here? We just begin to pray, God, help me in this moment, in this space, to love you with all my heart. And Lord, show me what it would look like to love this person as myself right here. It's this simple prayer that orientates our lives and helps us to live by love. You know, I want to invite you to stand up wherever you are. Marwa, why don't you stand up where you are. And I want to pray for you today because, you know, I believe this is what can set us apart and allow us to navigate life in a whole new way. And no matter what life throws at us or where we find ourselves, this is what allows us to be the people who shine God's love in this world. And if you're a person who just says, you know what, today I know this. I want to know more of God's love in my life so that I can live more from that space. I want to pray especially for you. One of the things we often do here, and if you want to be a part of this prayer, is you just kind of open your hands. It's a way of just saying, I come, God, not with everything I've got, but I come wanting to receive from you. And we just ask his spirit to come and to empower us to live this way. So I want to pray for you if you want to join me in that. You just close your eyes to create a little space for yourself. Open your hands. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are loving towards us. Thank you that you allow us to call you Father, not just allow us, invite us, and desire us to know you as our Father. And so, Heavenly Father, I want to pray for each and every person who's listening to my voice right now. Whether I'm with them where they are or not, doesn't really matter, Lord. You are with them. And I want to pray that in this moment, your Holy Spirit might pour out a greater, deeper, richer, fuller revelation of your love. God, I pray for those today who need to know that you have not given up on them. Lord, those today who just need to know that you, you are still with them, no matter what they've done. And you run towards them today. God, may they hear your whisper. May they sense you running towards them, even in this moment. May they sense you throwing your arms around them, welcoming them home in Jesus' name. And Lord, for those today who need that fresh revelation that God, you just delight over them. Lord, for all the scorekeepers out there, for all those who feel like it's, it's about how well they're doing and they've never grasped just how much you love them the way they are, I pray for a fresh experience the warmth of your affection. Pour out your, your affection onto their lives. May it bring security. May it bring peace. May it bring identity. May it bring freedom. And God, I pray for all of us that out of that place of your abundant, extravagant, extraordinary love for us, may we walk into a week where no matter what comes our way, we're able to live from that love, we're able to live by that love.
Lord, let your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, we're going to respond with a song. And I love this song. It, it talks about coming to the altar. And it just reminds me of that son who eventually just turned and went, I'm going back to my father's house. I'm just, I'm going to go and meet with him there. And I just encourage you just to respond today. Respond to his love in your life. I just, wow, bring your heart, bring your attention, bring your focus, bring your voice, bring your worship and experience a, a little more of his love in your life. Let's sing together.